everybody told me that I wasn't going to make it. You're listening to episode number 58 of the Self-Care Sunday podcast, a minimalist media project by Kaylee Reed. New episodes are uploaded only on Self-Care Sundays, and today's episode is an interview with fashion designer Jenna Tang. As you may or may not know, New York Fashion Week is coming up along with all of the other fashion weeks around the world this year, and September is Fashion Month. So this year, I decided to do a mini-series on sustainability and self-care in the fashion industry. So I've interviewed different designers, both from Canada, US, all about what sustainability means to them, what it's like being a designer, the process of becoming a designer and producing collections, uh, and mental health and self-care in the fashion industry, which is one of the most notorious industries for harming people's mental health. So I'm really excited to be sharing more of these episodes with you guys. If you haven't already, go back and listen to the first episode in the series with my friend Dee Silky, which is episode number 57. Dee has some kind of controversial opinions on things, which is why I loved having her on the podcast because I think it was just a really interesting conversation about quote-unquote sustainability from a small independent designer's perspective. Um, Today's episode is with Jenna Tang, and Jenna Tang is a Canadian fashion designer from Calgary, Alberta. Her namesake label, Jenna Tang, is a collection of contemporary women's wear dresses made in New York City. She also donates 10% of all sales towards female-forward charities that create opportunities for women and girls to dream bigger, whether that's providing basic needs, improving body image, or funding education programs. After receiving a fashion design and merchandising degree from the Art Institute, she worked for years at a small local brand before taking the leap to start her own collection, Jenna Tang, two years ago. So in today's episode, we talk about her journey to becoming a designer and the nearly two-year process of launching her line, and we also talk about self-care as a creative entrepreneur and why it is so important. Just a small note before you keep listening, I want to apologize for this episode's audio not being 100%. Uh, We record almost all of our episodes remotely. The ones that we do get to do in person are really awesome, but you can never tell what the quality of a remote interview is going to be like uh, 100%. So we tried to edit it best we could, but you might have to adjust the volume in some spots. And I'm really sorry, but it's still worth the listen. Thanks, guys. start with your story and kind of backtrack to how you got into fashion in the first place and how you got to where you are now as a designer. I mean, I've always loved fashion and I know it, I mean, I don't know if that sounds cliche, but it's always been a dream of mine to be a designer, but it's not something that I ever thought would be real. I mean, I per like all through high school um, and preparing for college, my parents were convinced that I was going to become a doctor. And I I did all of that. But when I applied for design school in Vancouver and just bit the bullet and I didn't tell anybody that I was going to do it, which is crazy. Um, My parents actually found out that I was going to go to design school and actually pursue that as a a career um, from the admissions office over the phone. Oh my gosh. So they called your house and they were like, oh, she got accepted. And your parents had no idea. Yeah. So that was rough. 
it was honestly the first time in my life that I'm like, I'm going to do this because this is what I love. And I honestly can't picture my life doing anything, anything different. So I went up to school in Vancouver at the Art Institute um, for fashion design. And then after that, I was in Vancouver for about three years. And then I moved back to Calgary and I had my, my sight set on New York and I really wanted to move out there, but it was a lot harder than I thought it would, you know, being Canadian and then moving out there looking for work. But I think it worked out because in Calgary, I actually found a job designing um, kids clothes and it's a super small company, but I'm like, oh, this is the perfect opportunity to learn and, and I got to wear a lot of hats. And I actually stuck around there for about four years um, and kind of learned everything it takes to like start and run a business, it being so small. And then after that, I quit my job. It was in 2018, 2017. Oh, wow. It's already been like two years. Yeah, I, I wanted to change the narrative in fashion. So I decided to take that leap of faith and I quit my job and started working on this. So your line is very focused on slow fashion and being inclusive and very female forward. Um, When you were starting your label, talk about kind of the process of just creating a brand to begin with, because that in itself is a huge undertaking, like starting a business. And then how did you incorporate like all of those pieces into your brand? Well, it's, it's tough for sure. It's probably the hardest thing I've ever done, um, which I expected and I was prepared for, but I wasn't prepared for how, um, I guess, lonely it is to take on something like that and, and making all of these choices and these massive decisions for a brand that you want to, I mean, last forever by yourself. And I was reading a lot about how fashion has the second largest carbon footprint in the world. And, and that blew my mind because I, I, I love fashion, but I'm also extremely obsessed with the, the impact that my choices have. So I needed to think of and figure out a way that the two could coexist without compromising on either one. Okay, so I want to start with even just the word sustainability um, and like social responsibility in the fashion industry, because these are things that are kind of only becoming more trendy, I would say, in the past couple of years. So what do those things mean to you? And what does it mean um, when you're creating the clothing? Like what aspects of those things do you use in creating Genetang? Well, I think when you say sustainability, a lot of people think they automatically think eco or green or environmentally friendly, but um, they don't always necessarily consider the impact it has on the people and the communities, which is what I think sustainability is, is how we're driving innovation and how we're meeting the needs, I guess in this case with people in fashion, without compromising the quality of um, the planet and the people that create them as well. So for me, the, the eco aspect of my brand is something that I'm still working on for sure. I'll be the first to admit that, that it's extremely hard to create sustainably um, in terms of eco-friendly fabrics. Um, but I thought the one thing that I would for sure be able to prioritize was the people that I worked with. Um, so that was a lot of research, finding the right manufacturer. I And I mean... 
everybody that I spoke to said, well, why don't you manufacture in China? Take it overseas. The cost will be like a fraction of what you're paying now. Um, but it, you know, my gut instincts always said no. I, I wanted, not only did, um, I want to produce in North America because that way I could actually go and visit the factory and meet each person and make sure they're treated right and, and actually develop a relationship with the people that are making these clothes. But I'm also reducing the, the carbon footprint and keeping jobs in North America. That's amazing. And you're totally right. That is, I think, an underrated aspect of sustainability, like the economic sustainability and like keeping jobs in North America is definitely not glamorized to the same extent as the eco and environmental side. And I really do think both are super important. Um, I want to talk about the products being made in New York, which is amazing. I'm really curious what your process was like to find your manufacturers and why New York over made in Canada? Well, making goods in Canada was extremely hard. I wanted to make my, my clothes in Canada um, just because being Canadian, that was important to me as well. Um, but after a lot of research, there just wasn't the kind of the right kind of production. So in Canada, it's, it's not, obviously it's not as fashion forward as places like New York and the quality for creating that kind of label that I wanted to uphold was extremely tough. And I spoke with a lot of manufacturers and it just, the quality just kind of fell short of what I was looking for. It was very, um, they're more basics, more streetwear, more uniforms that are made in Canada as opposed to a higher end fashion label. I explored a lot of places in Los Angeles and New York, and there was a lot of traveling and a lot of flying back and forth. And, and you know, it was a lot of me flying back and forth to New York. I wanted to actually meet these people and make sure that they understand my vision and share the same values as that, that I do um, before I actually decided to work with them. Yeah. And so you currently are spending time in LA and you're from Calgary. Are you kind of splitting your time between the US and Canada right now? Or what does that look like? Um, well, the, for the two years of development that I was working on the line and um, finding a manufacturer, which actually took up almost the two years, um, I was flying back and forth to LA quite a bit. Um, but I've been out here for eight months now. Uh, which is quite a long time. So we'll see how how that pans out in the future. But yeah, I, I do split my time. I love LA. It's like one of my favorite places. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious, like why LA over New York? Or like, is there something in LA that's tying you there versus like spending more time in New York? Um, well, there's a community here. Um, there's a community of people that I love. Um, it's a creative community at the church here in LA, which is why I'm here more than I am in New York even though I do produce in New York. It is so hard being an entrepreneur. Um, Anybody that has done any kind of startup or like entrepreneurial journey, whether it's creative or not, I think can attest to how difficult it is. I'd love to know like what some of your challenges have been building the brand or maybe what are some of the like misconceptions or things that people don't see on the surface because on the surface like on instagram the website like everything looks so amazing it's so beautiful um but what are some of the challenges that you've faced i mean i think what people most people don't know is that it's literally just me 
I do everything from design and production, like managing all of that. And before I outsource it to my production team in New York, I'm doing everything else. And it, I mean, the weight of that is insane. And like I think, like I said earlier, um, the mental aspect of it has been the toughest part for me. It, like that has been the hardest part, like exploring your self-doubt and wondering if, which is crazy because that's what I want to champion other girls to be able to do is to achieve their dreams, but I'm struggling with it myself. It's how do I, you know, like raising the funds to put into your business is crazy expensive and hard. But like making choices, like am I making the right choice with my uh, production team and um, and having the weight of that decision what, what, like sit on my myself and like not having a team of people to back me up on that choice is hard because it, there are I mean hundreds of people that are watching me and I mean to be honest wondering if I'm gonna fail or succeed but I'm the one I'm the only one that's making that choice so that's definitely the hardest part for me is doing it alone and that's the one thing about being in Calgary too there's not a large network of other fashion designers or a lot of creative people in the same industry that you can kind of you know bounce ideas back and forth and I mean that's one of the reasons why I'm out here as well like I've met such a great group of people who understand what it's like to be a creative and an entrepreneur which is, and like back home, most, most of my friends are not in the creative industry. So they don't kind of understand the same struggles that you kind of go through, you know? Yeah. And I'm really glad that you brought up that mental aspect because kind of another thing I wanted to talk about in this series is not just the sustainability side of fashion, but also like self-care in fashion. Um, because it is an industry really notorious for being super cutthroat, super exclusive, um, bad for people's mental health, essentially, like whether you're working in it or consuming the media by it, like it's, it's not the most self-care friendly industry. (laughs) Um, So maybe talk a little bit more about what are some things that have helped you um I you talked about kind of that support group of other creatives that has been really helpful have you found that the industry is as cutthroat as everybody says um yeah tell us a little bit more about that oh yeah it's what you imagine it is times a million I think everybody told me that I wasn't gonna make it just because I'm I'm not you know, the loudest person in the room. And I'm not going to be the first person to shout about my brand. And that's just always how it's been. I mean, even this and sitting down and talking with you about it, it's not something that I would commonly do because just self-promotion is just not a part of who I am, which is also largely why I want my brand to be about lifting other women as opposed to myself. So yeah, it is. It's, it's brutal. Another thing that I'm finding really interesting is this dichotomy of brand responsibility and consumer responsibility. So brands, you know, being held accountable by consumers who want them to do better and be more transparent. But then at the same time, consumers not always willing to spend the money on more sustainable garments or slow fashion and really put their money where their mouth is. So like, for example, a lot of times, 
Um, slow fashion brands are a lot more expensive than something you can get at Forever 21 or like H&M. We all know that. But it's you're paying for the quality. You're paying for it to be made here. You're paying for a brand that is then going to donate percentage back to different charities. Like there's reasons behind those costs. So I'm curious what your thoughts are between like how much of the responsibility is on the brands and the designers and how much is on the consumers to actually take action. I, that's a great point. I mean, definitely both. I think we both carry the weight. I, it's, the brand is responsible for creating a product that is sustainable and making it accessible to the customer. But as accessibility also comes at a price point. Um, so obviously not marking up the product a million times, but the consumer also has to understand where the, those costs come from, which is also why transparency in a business is so important. Um, I'm transparent about the fact that we have to pay fair wages for the people who make our goods. And in for New York, that's not that looks nothing like a good like a, a t-shirt made in China where the labor laws are a lot different. Um so being trans I think being transparent about the aspects of your business and what goes into the cost of that garment will definitely be um easier for the consumer to understand where that comes from rather than just a brand marking it up a million times to make a profit because they are quote sustainable. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Before we wrap up, I want to talk more about self-care and what that looks like for you because self-care has kind of become this buzzword on the internet and in all these different industries and again, kind of a marketing tool. Um, But it looks so different for different people and I think it's such an important part of the creative process but also for entrepreneurs who have like an extremely high burnout rate, for example. So what does self-care look like for you? Um, And what are some things that you found helpful in maintaining yourself in this wild, wild world? (laughs) I am still struggling, to be honest. Um, It's something that I I struggle with um, on the daily. It's when, you know, like, it's hard to slow down when you don't keep it going fast enough, which is something that I feel all the time. So, but I have to remember that um, the the work and the quality of the work that I'm producing is also in correlation with how much energy I have and how I'm feeling. And you can't really um, give when you don't have anything to give from. So I'm trying to focus on, you know, creating not just for the sake of creating but because as a creative I naturally want to draw and you know doodle and paint but I haven't done that just for me because I'm always doing it for work so now it's it's trying to find ways of being creative without having being without it being related to my work and and just doing what I love outside of work as well Yeah, that's really great advice. I totally resonate with that as like another creative person that gets paid to do like Instagram stuff and creative stuff like that. Sometimes self-care for me is just like going on a mood board that I'm just making totally for myself and not for a brand deal, not for anything like that. And I think like that's an important piece of staying creative. Like when you're getting paid to be creative, you need to also be creative outside of that payment like you need to be creating things that don't have an ROI 